Chapter Two of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. The Nameless Coffin. Three vehicles with flambeaux and the clang and snorting of horses came close to the church porch and there appeared suddenly standing within the disk of candle light at the church door before one would have thought there was time a tall very pale and peculiar-looking young man with very large melancholy eyes and a certain cast of evil pride in his handsome face john tracy lighted the wax candles which he had brought and bob martin stuck them in the pockets at either side of the cushion on the ledge of the pew beside the aisle where the prayer-book lay open at the burial of the dead and the rest of the party drew about the door while the doctor was shaking hands very ceremoniously with that tall young man who now stepped into the circle of light with a short black mantle on and his black curls uncovered and a certain air of high breeding in his movements he reminded me painfully of him who is gone whom we name not said the doctor to pretty lilius when he got home he has his pale delicately formed features with a shadow of his evil passions too and his mother's large sad eyes and an elderly clergyman in surplice band and white wig with a hard yellow furrowed face hovered in like a white bird of night from the darkness behind and was introduced to dr walsingham and whispered for a while to mr irons and then to bob martin who had two short forms placed traversely in the aisle to receive what was coming and a shovel full of earth already so while the angular clergyman ruffled into the front of the pew with irons on one side a little in the rear both books open the plump little undertaker diffusing a steam from his moist garments making a prismatic halo round the candles and lanterns as he moved successfully by them whispered a word or two to the young gentleman mr mervyn the doctor called him and mr mervyn disappeared dr walsingham and john tracy got into contiguous seats and bob martin went out to lend a hand then came the shuffling of feet and the sound of hard tugging respiration and the suppressed energetic mutual directions of the undertaker's men who supported the ponderous coffin how much heavier it always seems to me that sort of load than any other of the same size a great oak shell the lid was outside in the porch mr tressels was unwilling to screw it down having heard that the entrance of the vault was so narrow and apprehending it might be necessary to take the coffin out so it lay its length with a dull weight on the two forms the lead coffin inside with its dusty black velvet was plainly much older there was a plate on it with two bold capitals and a full stop after each thus r d obiet 
may eleventh a d seventeen forty six atot thirty eight and above this plain oval plate was a little bit of an ornament no bigger than a sixpence john tracy took it for a star bob martin said he knew it to be a freemason's order and mr tressels who almost overlooked it thought it was nothing better than a fourpenny cherub but mr irons the clerk knew that it was a coronet and when he heard the other theories thrown out being a man of few words he let them have it their own way and with his thin lips closed with their changeless and unpleasant character of an imperfect smile he coldly kept this little bit of knowledge to himself earth to earth rumble dust to dust tumble ashes to ashes rattle and now the coffin must go out again and down to its final abode the flag that closed the entrance of the vault had been removed but the descent of avernus was not facile the steps being steep and broken and the roof so low young mervyn had gone down the steps to see it duly placed a murky fiery light came up against which the descending figures looked black and cyclopean dr walsingham offered his brother clergyman his hospitalities but somehow that cleric preferred returning to town for his supper and his bed mervyn also excused himself it was late and he meant to stay that night at the phoenix and to-morrow designed to make his compliments in person to dr walsingham so the bilious clergyman from town climbed into the vehicle in which he had come and the undertaker and his troop got into the hearse and the morning coach and drove off demurely through the town but once a hundred yards or so beyond the turnpike at such a pace that they overtook the rollicking cortege of the aldermen of skinner's alley upon the dublin road all singing and hallooing and crowing and shouting scraps of banter at one another in which recreations these professional mourners forthwith joined them and they cracked screaming jokes and drove wild chariot races the whole way into town to the terror of the divine whose presence they forgot and whom though he shrieked from the window they never heard until getting out when the coach came to a standstill he gave mr tressels a piece of his mind and that in so alarming a sort that the jolly undertaker expressing a funereal concern at the accident was obliged to explain that all the noise came from the scandalous party they had so unfortunately overtaken and that the drunken blackguards had lashed and frightened his horses to a runaway pace singing and hallooing in the filthy way he heard it being a standing joke among such roisterers to put quiet tradesmen of this melancholy profession into a false and ridiculous position he did not convince but only half puzzled the ecclesiastic who muttering credat judaeus turned his back upon mr tressels with an angry whisk without bidding him good-night dr walsingham 
with the aid of his guide in the meantime had reached the little garden in front of the old house and the gay tinkle of a harpsichord and the notes of a sweet contralto suddenly ceased as he did so and he said smiling in the dark in a pleasant soliloquy for he did not mind john tracy old john was not in the way she always hears my step always little lily no matter how she's employed and the hall door opened and a voice that was gentle and yet somehow very spirited and sweet cried a loving and playful welcome to the old man End of chapter 2 Recording by John Brandon